Hello, and welcome to Festival of the Mind. In this episode, Dr Lorna Warren from the Department of Sociological Studies, Dr Pam McKinney from the Information School, and Justine Gobert, creative producer and founder of Chrome Club, discuss their collaboration, The Crone Spoken Library, challenging perceptions of life after 50 for women in the UK. So welcome to the Crone podcast today. Um, we're going to start off by introducing ourselves. I'm Pam McKinney. I'm a lecturer in librarianship at the University of Sheffield Information School. Hello, I'm Lorna Warren. I'm a senior lecturer in the Department of Sociological Studies at the University of Sheffield. Hi, I'm Justine. I'm a creative producer and a social entrepreneur from Sheffield, and I'm the creative partner on the Crone Human Library Project. Great. So the first question I'm going to ask is, what is the Crone Human Library, Justine? The aim of the Human Library is to it's basically to hold space for older women to share some positive stories about their experiences of getting older as a woman, partly with a view to um, hopefully making younger women and girls in particular feel less fearful about getting older and to break down some of the negative stereotypes of older age. Uh, thanks, uh, Justine. So, Lorna, how will it work in practice? OK, so the Human Library concept originally comes from, um, it's a Danish idea, and it's been used in Sheffield by Julianne Hall. She's a friend of Justine's. And she ran a human library at South Yorkshire Housing. We've also have a history of uh, using it in the department uh, with social work students too. It works a bit like a normal library. So you have a reader, and as a reader, you'll come into the tent, you'll browse through a series of book covers, and they'll include titles like Becoming a Body Positive Model at 60 or Sex Blogging and Activism at 80 or The First Lioness Playing for the England World Cup Team in 1972. So you're going to choose some titles like this. But rather than taking out a printed book, you'll be taken into a booth and you'll be introduced to the actual human being who has the lived experience of that book title. So you'll sit with that person and you'll have a face-to-face -face conversation with them for about 20 minutes. And that's how you become a reader with a book, with a human book. So how did the idea for this start, Justine? Well, last year I had my 50th birthday. And yay, indeed. <laughs> and I was also entering the dreaded perimenopause. Who knew such an awful thing existed? Um, but until that point, I loved getting older and I felt genuinely grateful for every birthday um, because every year brought with it more self-knowledge, more self-confidence. But then I hit menopause and I noticed that for the first time, I was actually starting to feel a little bit anxious about getting older. And whilst it's great that Davina McCall and Mariella Frostrup et al., have got menopause into the mainstream narrative. I mean, even the fruit and veg man in Hillsborough the other week was chatting with me merrily about it. It's still largely a narrative of fear um, where only bad stuff happens. And I was finding that that fear-based narrative is actually pretty toxic for me. So I started looking around for some positive stories. I thought there must be women who've come through the other side of this experience and now living happy and fulfilled lives. 
but I really struggled to find those stories. But that's actually quite surprising because some of the research that I've subsequently found by the Centre for Aging Better says that women in their 70s are actually the happiest demographic. Um, and yet these positive stories just aren't getting through. So that's why I set up Crown Club. Initially, it was just um, a private Facebook group with a few pals going through similar stuff so we could have a laugh and a cry about some of the changes we were experiencing physically and mentally so that we could considerately cheer each other on. But I also wanted to use that space as a place where we could find and share some positive stories from older women, women who were older than us, who could reassure us that it wasn't all as depressing as we are led to believe and that there is life after menopause and that our third act, if you like, can for a lot of women actually be the best part. One of the things we also do in the group is crone assignments, which are basically little assignments where we explore our feelings towards ageing and hopefully that's going to co-create some content which is going to create a more positive narrative for female ageing. So one assignment, for example, might be share an image that makes you feel positive about getting older. As someone who's worked in brand and marketing for 28 years and I've run my own social enterprise as well, very passionate about um, helping people with no voice in mainstream society finding their voice. I've always been interested in representation in the mainstream media and particularly how minority groups are represented. And that's how, like t 10 years ago, was it? I don't know. I stumbled into a public event <laughs> at the university called Look at Me which was a university research project that explored representations of older women. And it had a real impact on me and was something I kept coming back to over the last few years. And it turns out that the academic behind that project was Lorna. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> I mean, Justine spoke to me about this project. And um, of course, it just resonated with that early work that I'd done on representation. So I was interested at that time in um, looking at visual representations because uh, there was a lot happening in the media where women uh, were successful, they were presenting programs um, and then they got to a certain age and poof, they disappeared. They were kind of just taken out, disposed of and it was typically women presenters but it led me to thinking about that wider representation. So it was it was a strange phase because social media was really taking off. Um, media in general was taking off and we were seeing more representations of women and yet still classical tropes would emerge. You know, there was a figure of fun, the Nora Batty with wrinkly stockings, for example, or the rather sad and lonely older woman that Justine uh, referred to or inferred um, when she was talking about some of those negative stereotypes. And what I wanted to do in my research was not just the typical interviews, but I wanted to find new ways of challenging those representations. Anthropologists have long used visual media, but it hasn't been used very much in more mainstream research in the social sciences. I worked with um, a group of, of women using different visual methods, photography, classic artwork, phototherapy. And we ran this project and it really, I, I, I mean, Justine's right, the, the the response to it was incredible and I showed the artwork that was produced, the images that were produced um, UK wide and these were images by women who were wanted to explore older age, challenge some of those traditional representations or kind of do a more nuanced version of them. So we added their narrative to the image. So it was image and, and voice 
And it was a really powerful way of, of, of starting that exploration. What I love about the Crone Human Library is over that, that decade, we ha we've seen a change. Mm. And we are seeing more women now, older women, presenting. We're seeing more representations of older women in the commercial world selling um, products. But there are still limitations. So in the commercial world, they are selling products. It's about money-making thing. And you're right, Justine, and those conversations we're having about the menopause, they're fantastic. And people are talking more about the menopause when they remember what it's about. Ha ha. Um, but it's still largely um, a kind of negative narrative. You know, we, we need more... HRT or we're not being listened to and now a lot of that is based in truth but there are other narratives so just like the visual project put in different more nuanced visual imagery and it was visual imagery that older women were in control of I think we need to hear the voices of what I'd refer to as ordinary older women not just women celebrity women who we know but but you know women like you and me <laughs> How do we we experience this this transition, this this phase that we often don't know we're going into? Sometimes we don't know when we're in the middle of it and we're responding to it, shouting about it, laughing about it. And we're not taught how we come out of the menopause and what happens after that. So I think this project is just brilliant because it can fill in all those little gaps. Um, we can hear voices. The women who will be the books aren't going to be entirely positive and tell you it's a wonderful phase and, and make you feel inadequate if you're not experiencing it that way. They'll talk about how they've experienced it and how they've responded to it, got hold of it, taken it by the neck, shaken it <laughs> and come out the other side. Um, and you're right, I, I, I teach young students all the time. We know that it's that demographic who are often the loneliest, currently experiencing the greatest mental health problems. And I just think that that ability to go through these phases these transitions and come out the other side with some incredible stories just really worth capturing and and, and listening to so that's how i got involved pam justine and i've talked about our interest in the crone human library would you like to tell us why you got interested from an information studies point of view I'd heard about the, the Danish Human Library through kind of library-based social media that I follow um, as part of my role. Um, I thought it sounded like a really uh, fascinating way of involving a community and using a traditional library as a, as a kind of community-based uh, space uh, for people to interact with each other uh, and it kind of really speaks to some of the sort of community-building ideals of the, of the public library. Um, I'm really interested in the idea of what a library is and what it should be and what it should contain. So, um, you know, we're moving from a kind of purely sort of book-based conception of a library to a more um, electronic library, particularly in, in terms of like higher education, but also in, in public libraries uh, where you get increasingly collections of electronic books for people to borrow and all the other roles that, that libraries do in terms of supporting communities and building community cohesion. Um, so when I heard about this project through Justine's um, Crone uh, Facebook group, which I'd, I'd recently joined, and I was really getting uh, a lot of interest in the um, 
the Crone assignments that, that Justine's talked about and kind of trying to connect with this community of older women. Um, when Justine advertised this as an idea on, on that Facebook group, I was thought, yes, this is this is really great. This is a wonderful opportunity to, to get to know Justine better, to get to connect with other members of um, academic staff at the university in the faculty uh, and potentially to kind of um, do some, some research moving forward, thinking about the idea of uh, developing resources um, that can be used by older women more generally. And also, you know, as I said, I joined the Chrome Facebook group because I'm also going through my own transition at the moment, um, thinking about my own personal journey from maiden to mother and now to crone, um, and as I'm going through my own perimenopause at the moment. So it just seemed like a really great opportunity to sort of tap into my own experiences and, and, and share in the experiences of other women as well. We've mentioned the word crone, haven't we, a few times. Um, it's such a negative word. It gets some really bad press. Um, and a lot of women don't want to be associated um, with such a negative word. So perhaps, Justine, why crone? Yes. <laughs> it was a deliberately sort of controversial word that we put in there, really. I mean, if you check out crone in the dictionary... Um, I think the, the definition that, that will come up is a cruel or ugly old woman, <laughs> which um, some believe it, it originated from Old North French, from um, uh, Charon, literally meaning carrion, so like decaying meat, <laughs> lovely, which gives you some indication as to, you know, the patriarchy's feeling towards older women. For some time now, there's been a, a growing movement which was sort of first ignited by um, some of the founders of the women's movement as they hit midlife in the 1980s. So Jungian analysts such as Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolan and Clarissa Pinkola Estedes, who kicked off this movement to, to reclaim the word crone. Uh, that whole idea of sort of um, reclaiming crone as a positive archetypal figure, the wise woman and what you just touched on there, Pam, um, around the sort of the third aspect of the triple goddess, you know, going back to the classics, which in neo-pagan terms represents the sort of the third act of um, the woman, a woman's circle of life. Act one being maiden, act two being mother, and act three, as you said, Pam, um, being crone. And I think this is why you'll start coming across like more positive definitions of crone, starting to mean things like crown, as a symbol of the wisdom and the power that women can have in older age. Indeed, you'll see this reflected in the growing popularity of things like crone crowning ceremonies. I was so excited when I heard about when I first heard about this. It made me feel better about getting older. Or a croning. <laughs> Pretty awful word, but but it's which is basically a rite a rite of passage ritual, usually around the age of menopause at the start or end of and or a significant birthday so 50 or turning 50 or 60 that's kind of a celebration and a positive sort of stepping into our third act of life without any sort of fear or shame and thinking about what we want to leave behind and thinking about what we want from our future and um, I had mine this year in Wales which yeah, was happy thank you which was really quite exciting <laughs> So yeah, I just love this idea of reclaiming crone as a celebration of the wisdom and the freedom and the personal power of women in midlife and beyond. 
and especially that idea of having a crown crowning ceremony is a positive celebration of menopause and, and female aging. And I just take like a great comfort in that sort of history and the folklore and that rich theme of knowledge of wisdom from the women who've kind of trodden the path before us. Pre um, sort of the Industrial Revolution, we would have been able to share our knowledge as older women in our communities kind of face to face. Whereas these days, it seems a little bit more that social media needs to um, facilitate some of those communication channels. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are able to connect with each other now through social media and we can uh, share our positive histories and our positive stories in that way. Yeah, completely. I mean, what do you think? Lorna, about the word. Uh, well, when, I, I, when I came to you with that word, you 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 said, "I'm I'm a little less crone. I'm I'm probably probably more hag." <laughs> yeah. I seem to remember. Uh, well, I had lots of responses to it. Going back to that project that I was talking about, where I worked with women, they produced their own visual representations. I have a piece of work. I bought one piece of work from that project. And it was by Claire Lee, and she's commonly known as Clee, um, a Sheffield-based artist. And it was called Chin Hair in the Crown. I'm pointing at it right now. It's sitting on the filing cabinet in the room where we're speaking. And it's about, you know, that first chin hair <laughs> that accompanies crowndom. And what I liked about um, Clee's piece is, is it there's a lot of humour that comes with, with growing older that's one of women's strengths. Um, and once you can kind of claim those aspects of cronum and you joke about it, nothing can, t- it stops people from touching you. <laughs> you know, you own it and you're, you're joking about it. So there's some reality to that crone phase. But like you say, it's also got that lovely aspect of the meaning can be fluid. And I'm very much minded of the sort of teaching that I do with undergraduate students when I'm talking about um, the history of, of the feminist movement and how a lot of that was about reclaiming words or, or uh, empowering women to think again about the meaning of certain words that have been used negatively. So an equivalent word is the word queer and how that was used in a very pejorative way and it was very damning of anything other than a heteronormative approach to our sexuality. You know, we had to be um, women getting uh, paired up with men and it was thrown around playgrounds, other spaces to put women down who were anything other than heterosexual women. And now it's, of course, um, being completely reclaimed and is being used in an incredibly positive way. And, and it's, again, it's, it's about nuance and it's about... Um, us having that ability to to use words in a playful way, in a powerful way, in a in a way that challenges those who've tried to use them uh, as a kind of stick to beat us with. So I like the word hag because, as Justine has pointed out, uh, we can use that to talk about hagitude, <laughs> which is again it's that positive way of saying I'm an older woman. Um, things might be tough at times, but I can deal with this. I can deal with this in a way that I feel completely in control of now. I know myself so much better. You spend a lot of time getting distracted by things you told you should worry about when you're younger. And often you get to a certain point and it sort of falls away. Doesn't mean to say you don't get worried, but you know how to you know how to own it and turn it around and throw it back at people. So haggitude. I managed to find a, a definition of haggitude. I'm allowed to read that out. It's actively embracing menopause and all that comes from after, which has the potential to be the most intensely lived, joyous, creative period of our lives. 
a comfort with the unique power we embody, a strong sense of who we are and what we have to offer the world, a firm belief in our necessary place in the ever-shifting web of life. And that's Sharon Blackie in her new book that's coming out shortly. So I, mean, I was thinking about my, my teenage daughter. She's very good with language. She likes to know the proper word and she likes to be respectful of other people by using the words that they've used to describe themselves. So she's, she's got angry with me in the past about using certain words to describe <laughs> yeah. certain people. And it's like, well, it was okay in the, in the 90s to use that word. Okay, it's not okay now. But I, I want her to have a word that she can use to describe older people, mm. older women, that is a word that we've chosen for ourselves and not like that we can't talk about it because there isn't a label. So there's a certain power in labeling things and choosing the word that you want to use, isn't yeah. there? Completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it reintroduces that notion of development. So development, you kind of get to middle age and then those... We define younger people very much in terms of developmental stages. You get to middle age and then it's sort of this void and, and it tends to be downhill. But when you reclaim words like that, it puts back that, that ability to to carry on learning, finding out new bits about yourself um, and sharing sharing that, that kind of lovely journey. So, yeah, haggitude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wonderful. So I think we've reclaimed the word crone here today. Yeah. So perhaps we could move on to talking about the, the human books that are going to be um, coming onto the, the Crone Human Library in September. So um, perhaps, Justine, could you give us an, an example of some of the people yeah. who volunteered? So to we've be got books. over 20 books signed up so far for the library. Stories from women at the younger age of Crone. So Crones in training, as we like to call ourselves. <laughs> um, women in their, well, from from forties really, um, entering menopause, and women who've used that milestone to make real sort of exciting changes in their lives, right the way through to people like Joyce Williams, who's one of our books, who's an eighty-seven-year-old blogger and activist um, who blogs about sex at seventy and various and activism, and she's a wonderful. Wonderful, inspiring book. We've pre-recorded uh, our first book, which, which is with the last living woman of steel, Kathleen Roberts, and she's just turned 100 this year. So it was quite nice that I'd just turned 50 and she'd just turned 100. And we have um, we had a wonderful conversation about her perspectives on growing older and um, her life in Sheffield and working at the uh, munitions factory and um, some incredible stories about Sheffield during the war as well. We've also got Sue Wyatt joining us as a book. She was one of the original lionesses who represented England in football in, I think it was 1972, World Cup. And you might have heard her on Woman's Hour. She's been on there quite a lot recently because she's been campaigning to get their England caps formally recognised. Again, an incredibly positive person with such zest for life that's really infectious. And just speaking to those two people alone has already made me feel better. <laughs> then we've got stories from women who've been, who, like Lorna said, you know, have been some, through some really tough times and some dark times and really and come out the other side. So we've got stories from domestic abuse survivors. We've got a story from someone in midlife who's found freedom from untangling herself from formal institutions that were making her unhappy um, marriage the church full-time work 
And, you know, midlife can be a real opportunity to let go of the things that constrain us and make a change for the better. And so there's loads of books around that. So I'm going to ask you both now. This is a, a, a tricky question. So if you were a book, what would your book be about, Justine? It's hard just to pick one topic, isn't it? It's quite difficult because your life's so, so sort of rich with so many different things that have affected it. But I think my book title would probably be How Getting a Late Diagnosis of Autism Has Helped Me Age Better as a Woman. So I'm just one of many women, I did it before it was cool, to be fair, um, <laughs> who, <laughs> who've been searching out um, a neurodiversity diagnosis later in life and have found great comfort in that diagnosis. So for me, I'd spent my, my entire life sort of peddling behind a secret curtain, desperately trying to hide all of the things that I found really difficult. And I was absolutely terrified people would find out about me. So things like, I can't visualise numbers. I'm 50, I still can't tell the time. I'm terrified someone might tap me on the shoulder and um, ask me what the time is. I can't work out what time I need to uh, set off to get somewhere. Working out my diary takes like days as opposed to minutes. So yeah, all of those things um, affect your health, both mentally and, and physically. But getting a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, attention deficit disorder, dyscalculia, dyslexia was such a massive relief to me um, and helping me age better because these diagnoses basically give me the permission to sort of say, give yourself a break, first of all. So take a deep breath and go, of course, you're going to find X, Y and Z difficult. So give yourself a bit of, uh, bit of a break. But they also give me the permission to ask for certain, a certain set of conditions, mm. um, just small interventions, really. You know, for example, I was on the radio for, for talking about um, the Crown Human Library and I was able to sort of say, I'm autistic, I find it difficult to respond, could you give me the questions up front? A few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that and I would have had a complete and utter meltdown. I would have had a brain, uh, you know, a, a brain freeze blank if, if they'd have asked me questions in, in a slightly different way. So, yeah, it's just basically um, helped me create the right set of conditions for my super superpowers to flourish. So I now work part time. I work for myself. I work from home and I only work with people who I like and I can connect with and who understand me and I understand them, which has made my work life so much richer and more enjoyable, too. So, yeah. It's helping me age better, basically. So that's what my book would be about. <laughs> wow, I mean, it sounds like you've really been able to use that diagnosis to make such a positive change to your own life. Yeah, abso absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I know from other people's experiences and the people who've watched, I did a TED Talk about it, and the people who've watched that TED Talk have, have subsequently got in touch with me and sought out diagnoses for themselves and I've got so many friends who've subsequently got a diagnosis and it's changed their changing their lives as well so wonderful so Lorna what would your book be about you see I love talking about me so uh, I could talk about all <laughs> sorts of aspects of getting older but right what, what I'd like to share with other women in case they're going through the similar thing is menopause doesn't just happen on its own it's not in isolation so there's all sorts of other things transitions that you often go through at that time of life I had my menopause very late 
so uh, it, it was in my late 50s. The average age is, is early 50s. And I think I was perimenopause at the same time I was caring for a dying father, but also raising um, my daughter all on my own. I had, I had my daughter by donor. I was doing that solo. So I, I think sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what is menopause because it will coincide with other things that can cause you to experience for want of a best word, let's talk about symptoms that, that are typically put down to menopause. So I, I've learned I do angry grief. <laughs> so when my dad died, I think I, you know, some of the anger could well have been menopause. And I thought it might have been grief. Teenage daughter. Crikey, that's a lot of anger there. <laughs> um, so again, it, it sort of it gets wrapped up with other things. And I would say just spend some time thinking about yourself uh, especially if you're going through a phase where you're doing a lot of caring for others, think think about yourself and think about the needs you might have to to attend to bits that might be menopause. They might not be to do with grief or or, or caring. Definitely, um, uh, it affects your mental health. It affects your my memory is just terrible now, but I found the more I talk about it, the more. Um, a whole range of people will talk about terrible memory, men included are the same age as me. So I don't think menopause is necessarily solely female. I think it's, part, again, partly to do with um, phase of life, hormones, pressures, pressures from increasingly work. My menopause also kind of coincided with lockdown. And um, my response to lockdown, I mean, I think it sent us all a bit mad, didn't it? Um, and I wanted to run because that's a very good way uh, for me to cope with things. And that wasn't particularly a brilliant time to run <laughs> uh, because menopause has a whole set of physical symptoms. So, again, I would say don't be too hard on yourself if you're, you're doing certain things that you normally do and you find this, isn't, this running isn't going as well as usual. Again, I think it was menopause. However... I've come out the other side and I am feeling physically fitter than I have done for, I'd say, about 10 years. And I didn't expect that. I kind of expected that maybe this would get worse. Part of, of uh, getting centred, I think, in my body and my skin is I was forced to give up running. I had a prolapse, a second prolapse, but increased swimming and took up wild swimming, which lockdown was a whole load of crones. <laughs> that took to wild swimming you go to um to uh, uh local swimming spots i won't name them i don't want them to get too popular yes. but you'll find gatherings of crones all over the place it really did seem to be a thing that older women have taken to menopausal mermaids says justine love it we know about the actual the kind of beneficial impact of going in cold water but i also think it's about the beneficial impact of finding other women gathered, you know, putting our bodies out there in yeah. public, in the, uh, you know, into the elements. Um, and wow, has it just swimming every day has just really centred me. So I think my book would be about, I, I write all the time in work about nuance. The menopause is a nuanced experience. And so look at it in isolation, but look at how it also interacts with other experiences and look at all those positive things you can find when you attend to, attend to that. And uh, yeah, the menopausal mermaids, I love that, yeah. 
So you've both shared some really great experiences today. Uh, Justine and Lorna, I would be more than happy to take part in the Human Library and read your, your books. But we're going to wrap up today by just thinking about um, what other projects this Crone Human Library event might lead on to. So Justine, where do you see this going? From a Crone Club point of view, we've got lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline. I'm doing a book with Laura Page, who did um, uh, an award-winning um, exhibition about reimagining ageing. Uh, and actually, Lorna, it would be perfect. It would be the perfect title for your book, um, "Tits to the Wind." Absolutely. Yes, yeah. reasons to feel good about midlife, menopause, and beyond. Oh, I love it. Um, we're also looking at doing a children's book about. Um, crones which is sort of a subverted fairy tale sort of thing about um the joy of being a crone and some crone top trumps oh, I <laughs> and uh, i'm doing that with a with a brilliant um illustrator um in scotland who was a member of crone club and um does illustrations for, for penguin book covers got loads of ideas for other events we're doing a crone membership scheme so that um, we can fund future crone activities people are very welcome to uh Sign up for that on our Crone website, croneclub.org. We're doing some training for ageing courses as well, because I think it's funny that, you know, we have training for everything, mm. <laughs> nothing specifically for ageing. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm doing a version of my academy, which is called um, Reclaim Your Why. That's in the offering in um, the new year to help women in midlife age better and, and plan the next bits of, plan the next bit of their lives. And we're also looking at an online crown shop to promote crown creativity and and uh, crown businesses. Um, and there's a crown tea towel about to come out, which is a little bit rude, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be absolutely useless in terms of a tea towel. Yeah. But it's pitched as the most expensive tea towel you will never need. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. So we're hoping that we can run the Crone Human Library again, an event in the new year. I'm a member of um, one of the new research flagships at the University of Sheffield, and it's called the Healthy Lifespan Institute. And we've been exploring in the um, Institute, looking at old age through various different perspectives um, and the arts and humanities being one of the perspectives or disciplines I talked earlier about, you know, um, using visual methods to expand our understanding of ageing, putting the human library books into that rich variety of different uh, kind of ways of looking at ageing would be brilliant, I think. And, and it will be part of a whole series of events where there'll be uh, women, there's an older dance group. In fact, actually, a member of that, the Third Bite Dance is one of our books, I think, yeah, Claire McManus. Yeah, yeah. It will showcase things like using stories and visual stories to help people to better cope with diagnoses of cancer. So it, it just shows that there are lots of different ways that we can approach experiences. We don't have to go down that standard narrative. Um, and hopefully, uh, well, one of our aims, uh, um, Justine, Pam, is, is to expand this library, isn't it? So yeah. if people see our library books online or they come to the event, they would like to offer, if they think they'd be a good book, they'd like to offer a story. We, we don't have to run the library. We can do individual recordings with people. We can put that story up onto a website. Yeah. 
Um, and we can use those stories in teaching. Um, I talked earlier about how we've used uh, human libraries with the social work students, but I can't remember us using older people uh, and capturing their stories. So, yeah, there's all sorts of a kind of um, the more social approach that, that Justine's taken, a more informal approach through to a very kind of, um, you know, put them into our teaching pedagogy. It's a nice big um, sociological word or uh, academic word. So yeah, lots of different ways we can uh, carry on expanding this. Yeah, I was thinking about the potential to have this kind of digital repository, this digital library of all these wonderful stories from these older women. And we're hoping to be able to record some at the Human Library event. Yeah. Um, but as Lorna said, there's always a possibility to kind of for older women to get in touch with us and to share um, their positive stories that we can kind of put out there um, on, on, on this digital library. Um, and I think there's also the potential to run events in the public library spaces, you know, nationally, um, to kind of really get the message out there that there's there's a positive uh, narrative around female aging that we can um, we can publicise and share and get people involved in um, to really kind of reclaim uh, positive ageing for women. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.